The holidays are time for families to come together and celebrate. With Rosh Hashanah nearing, we think about those who cannot be with their family due to difficult circumstances. Whether it's through purchasing Rosh Hashanah cards to send to friends and family, or giving a donation to alleviate the burden that comes with pediatric illness by providing hot meals over the holidays. At High Lifeline Canada, our job is to help those in need. With your support, we can make that possible. Head over to highlifelinecanada.org today and make a real difference. Welcome to On Air with Chai, a podcast that inspires, brings hope, shows resilience and strength. And in the past, I might have been hesitant to let people do that and step in um, like that, but I wasn't. I was desperate for it. And that for me was, you know, as I reflect and I talk to other people over the years, a huge, huge part of how I was able to cope in those early days um, was actually allowing other people in to just like give up control to gain control. I had to just let things go um, and let other people in to help me and my family or we would have drowned it. In today's episode, we speak with psychotherapist Karen Trainoff, whose daughter Jess was diagnosed with a brain tumor at the age of 10. Some of you may know Jess and her story through High Life Line Canada and her being honored recently at our 2022 gala. We'll hear from Karen on her point of view of Jess's journey, how it affected the family, how it opened Karen's eyes up to receiving help and understanding that it is needed at times. As well, we hear how they came to High Lifeline Canada and how they gave back and continue to give back to High Lifeline Canada today. Everybody, and welcome to another episode of On Air with Chai. I'm Brian Strasberg, co-hosting alongside executive producer, Mordechai Rothman, executive director. Look at that, I'm an executive producer title You asked, now. you get executive director of High Lifeline Canada. And today we are joined with Karen Trainoff, whose daughter was and is a client of High Lifeline Canada. Um, Karen has extensive history with Jess and dealing with her situation, um, a brain tumor, I believe, uh, that we will be getting into. Uh, welcome, Karen. Thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and allowing us into your life and the listeners into your life and story. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, so, Karen, um, I guess, why don't you tell us, let's start from the beginning. Uh, you know, where, where are you from? Who are you? And um, if you want to maybe fast forward a little bit uh, to Jess and, and, you know, that saga of your life. But uh, let's start out, you know, where are you from? Who are you? And, um, you know, what, what, can we, what can we learn right now? Well, I mean, we'll go, go a ways back in time. I'm, I'm originally from Ottawa. Uh, on my way to Toronto oh, some 35 or so years ago and uh, has settled here and has my family here. I have two amazing kids, um, my son Ari, who's just about to turn 30, and my daughter Jess, who uh, is, the, is, the, is the star of, of uh, the show for sure in terms of our High Lifeline connection. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a dog lover, I'm a nature lover, I'm uh, I'm a psychotherapist by profession and I, a dietitian, and I do all kinds of different types of work. But my uh, joy really in life is being able to be with my two kids and uh, and our dog. And I guess I'll toss in my husband as well because he's pretty okay. Could you share with us a little bit about um, how you came to be involved with High Life One and that, and that story? And, and obviously, you know, keeping in mind that this is a highly personal discussion. So, um, you know, whatever you're comfortable sharing with us, obviously. So going back uh, in time, it's almost nine years now, it'll be nine years in November. So in November of 2013, um, 
Jess was 10 at the time, was diagnosed with a, a brainstem glioma, a brain, uh, brain tumor. Uh, after a few weeks of really just a few weeks of not feeling well, she had been what seemed sort of under the weather. It seemed like regular kids stuff under the weather. It kind of came, came and went. Some days were better than others. Like she was fighting a bug. It seemed like, um, a day off school and then back to school. And, and that went on for a couple of weeks, but nothing that seemed particularly alarming, um, until the morning before she was diagnosed and she came, uh, and woke my husband and I very early, early hours of the morning and said she felt like she needed to be sick. And she was, and immediately afterwards felt better. She had had this terrible, terrible headache. She was sick to her stomach. She threw up and then immediately felt better. And in that moment, there was something in me. I don't know where it came from. It just felt like my blood ran cold. And I just had a just a terrible feeling that something was very, very wrong. That just was such a weird, a weird reaction to how sick she had felt just moments before. Um, so I had her at the, her pediatrician, um, you know, as soon as we could get there and that next, as soon as it was uh, time to open up and called and asked to please have her seen. And, um, he, you know, he, he, I'd known her doctor for a lot, a lot of years and he, he was the furthest thing from an alarmist and he didn't, you could just see on his face, the story I was telling that there was something concerning to him. He turned the lights off to be able to look and take a look in her eyes. And the second he turned the lights back on, I knew something was very wrong. You could see it in his face. I had never seen him look like that. And he said to me, I'm very concerned. I think you need to take her down to sick kids right now. She needs to go to emergency. She needs to be in a scanner. I'm concerned there's something in her brain. Um, and here's a note and I want you to take it down. This is what I think is going on. I want you to hand it to every single person you meet in emergency and ask for it back so that they, you don't get lost in the shuffle. And off we went, um, and packed her up and brought her down. And I have to say, um, you know, I can't say enough about the treatment that she received at Sick Kids from that very first moment nine years ago until she graduated out of Sick Kids a year ago has been extraordinary. Um, from that first moment in emergency, they took it very seriously. She was brought in. She was in a scanner very quickly. Um, and, and quickly after that, we had uh, a neurosurgeon in our room with us who had come to tell us that they had found a mass in her brain. Um, they didn't know what it was exactly. They needed, that was a CT scan. They needed her to have an MRI that evening um to see have a better look to see what what was really going on but they knew something was was terribly wrong um she also had they could see from that that she had hydrocephalus that was what was causing her symptoms to come and go so that's a buildup of fluid in the brain um and it was pretty pronounced and severe and that's why it depended if she was lying down or sitting up the pressure in her brain was shifting and the fluid was shifting around. And that's why when she threw up, it relieved some of that pressure for a moment and gave her some relief. Um, and so she was going to need surgery to relieve that pressure that was building in her brain. That was first up. Uh, that was the most critical piece at that point. And then from there, we'd have to figure out what to do with her um, and her treatment after that. So that was step one. Okay, and then so you get this news and then it was what? 
three in a couple of days or within a day or yeah within a you know within a couple of days everything really started to fall into place she had been admitted to the hospital uh she had one of the senior neurosurgeons assigned to her case um I'm going to just mention him here because he is, you know, I'm we're pretty much the head of things of his fan club. I'm sure there's others too. It's Dr. James Repka at SickKids Hospital who has been her neurosurgeon through her process all through SickKids all these years. Um, and he took over her case and she was admitted and admitted under his care into the hospital, had this surgery. And from there, you, you're, you're, all the other teams start to sort of pile in. And that included the oncology team, the neuro-oncology team. So the brain tumor team comes down um, and they start to examine her as well to understand what sort of, what are the next steps? How do we deal with what's going on with her? If you're comfortable explaining it, are you able to talk about what exactly you guys were going through during this process and right before you got connected with High Lifeline? Sure. I mean, it was really around her her diagnosis and the treatment and things that were happening. So, you know, she she required all kinds of she, she had a series of surgeries after the one that I told you about. She she started chemotherapy. She had been we had been told that she would require uh, chemotherapy every week for seventy two weeks. That was her uh, course of treatment. It was very going to be very long, very intense for her. She was, you know, she was um, experiencing all kinds of neurological issues that needed attention um, from from the tumor itself and from the surgery she had she had had done. And so there was all of that piece of it, the medical piece. But really, I think what for our family, what was happening was the emotional toll that it was taking. That was our experience. I know it's different for other families and there are other types of logistical things that other families are supported with through High Lifeline. But I think for us, it was really the emotional piece. It was the shock of what was happening. It was for me um, having to step away from my work very abruptly and work that I loved and felt very connected to, um, to take to take on this this new role that I knew nothing about, this learning curve that I was on. And and I wasn't okay. I absolutely wasn't okay. And so I needed to be able to take care of myself during that time to be able to really take care of Jess and having support from High Lifeline, whether it was food that we didn't like that, you know, I didn't even realize we were so hungry for not even from a like truly hunger perspective, but hungry for from an emotional perspective to have it feel like somebody was taking care of you um, was was so helpful for me, I can, you know, I, I I know my other my family members have talked about it similarly, but I'll speak from my experience. It was so helpful for me to feel cared for while I tried to take care of myself so I could take care of Jess. And it was that process that that sort of that like it was like a link that helped me be able to take the time I needed. If somebody else brought dinner, that gave me time to do the stuff I needed to do to take care of myself. By me taking care of myself, I was in way better shape to take care of her. And that's it was that kind of stuff that High Lifeline did that helped us. I, I would like to to kind of go back now to the story where you shared. So Jess is, is uh, she's going to have, she had her first, or she's about to have her first um, brain surgery. And I'm curious, you know, how long was that? And you as a mom, what are you thinking and doing during that time? 
it was all very quick. So everything happened in that those first sort of 48 hours. And um, the first few days that we were in the hospital, she was in the hospital. She was in a, you know, like a step down unit. So there was four kids in a room that were being monitored very closely. It's like a step down from the ICU where she was being monitored. And it was it was bizarre. So there's, you know, sick kids has single rooms and there's like a little kind of couch bench that parents can sleep on, not in these rooms, uh, certainly not in their current iteration. And so there's a chair and a bed and there's curtains and four, four very sick children in this room. And um, there was a lot of t- things that she had a lot of questions. She wasn't a baby. Um, and she had a lot of questions about what was going on. And she could see that she was in a room with very, very sick children. And for me, it was, a, you know, a, we we went to the emergency room and never went home. So this was about community sort of coming together, a friend who lives downtown who just brought clothes. So we had something to change into um, just her own clothes and some juice to start with. And this was how things began for us in terms of what that looked like. I had a sister who was living in Africa and working in Africa, and she packed up her entire life and made her way through multiple countries to come back to be with us. And um, my other sister who never left. So all of a sudden, this community sort of forms around formed around us, which was helpful for me as a mom to be able again to just focus where I needed to, which was on Jess and also on her medical team. So I could start to understand what people were talking about. From your perspective, how did how do you find this change, Jess, at that point, from ten year old girl to now, or actually even before? Sorry, I should say before she was diagnosed with something to the point she was diagnosed. I, it's so we talk about this a lot in the family. So how did this change her? Did it change her? I mean, it it did. How could it not? She, she's got a very strong character, and so in the sense that she wants to make a difference in the world. Things she gets, she even as a very small child, long before she ever got sick, she would get very kind of fired up about social causes and other issues and things touched her very deeply. And she, you know, people had always referred to her as a bit of an old soul that even from as like as a little toddler. So that part of her kind of carried through. But I think really what has changed sort of in that moment was, was what happened to her was a real loss of innocence um, of her childhood, parts of childhood that that just disappear. I know it's, uh, she's obviously not the only one. This happens to so many children when they get sick like that. Um, and life as she knew it kind of conti- continued. Everybody, she was just starting the fifth grade um, and her friends continued and things carried on. And over time, people get busy and they go back to what they were doing. The The shock of it, everybody sort of rallies in those first days, weeks, months. And then over time, as as it should, people go back to what they were doing. But where that left her was very alone. That that changes a person and how they see things and and how they need to learn how to ask for things. And I think for her that was a big part of her a change in her in terms of what she needed and how she would talk about that. But I will again I'll just bring it back to High Lifeline and just say that I mean she's talked about this a lot. I know very publicly about High Lifeline. But she always, she says it, this is sort of a line that she has said before, but she means it with everything in her. She'll always say that 
the, the doctors and the nurses and all the others, the medical teams at, at SickKids saved her life, but she always says that High Lifeline saved her childhood. And I think now when we look at her where she is today at 19, we can see that there were definitely blocks that were missing in her childhood, developmental pieces that get missed when you're not in school for two and a half years, when you're in treatment for so long, when you've had to do so much rehab to get your life back physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but when you've got an organization that kind of picks you up, puts their arms around you, sort of metaphorically speaking, and like brings you into these amazing spaces with whether it's with you, volunteers, she had a big sister for years, all the experiences she had, she went to camp, she traveled, she got to do all of these wonderful things that gave her connections, that gave her friendships, that gave her normalcy in a time where there was nothing normal about her childhood. So that part of her changed her also, but it changed in a positive way. So there's pieces that were very difficult and very, very sad. And again, give it all back if we could, all the good to, to get that other stuff back, but it doesn't work like that. So there was the stuff that really changed her that was really challenging for her, but there's the other stuff that she'll tell you, because we've talked about it many times, she and I, that changed her in a way that is very positive also. So, um, you know, we're coming towards the end. We're not at the end, but we're coming towards the end of, of our discussion. And I want to talk to you um, a little bit about kind of giving back because something that I've noticed that you and Jess both have been very passionate about is giving back to High Lifeline. Um, can you share a little bit about your why around that? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's it started years ago um, with, I guess, our my first run, again, pressured gently and you know, <laughs> kindly um, by run. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, I, the, I ran in the Miami, I, I joined Team Lifeline and ran in the, um, in the Miami, they did the half marathon in Miami. It was my first kind of foray into that part of the world with my Lifeline. And um, as it turned out, it was actually, the, the day of the run was actually on my 50th birthday. And so there was something about that that just seemed like a sign somehow that this was something I was supposed to do. Um, Jess was recovering. Um, she she certainly wasn't in a physical space to be able to do that, but she was like my biggest cheerleader to 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 keep going. And so she was there at the finish line um, in Miami, and it was there was something about that that was just so powerful for me to be able to give back and be part of something bigger than us, bigger than our story, and be part of this with other families, and just know that there were families that day that we're going to learn something really terrible or go through something really terrible and know that there might be even just a small piece of what I was doing that might be helpful somewhere down the line for somebody else. Um, and from there, um, I got involved with um, being able to take some of my professional work into the high lifeline world and be able to support families um, who are going through whether similar things, parents who've got kids who are unwell, um, parents who are unwell themselves, parents who've lost a partner who are supporting their kids, and be able to do that in a way, just I have to say, that I think is just so amazing that High Lifeline recognizes that by supporting parents, you're actually supporting the kids. So this is, I know, the mission is support children um, but to be and families, but to be able to support the parents so that they can be at their best is just is really 
forward thinking. And so to be able to take my experience personally and take my my personal experience and, and combine it with my my professional training in a way that might be helpful to somebody else, again, just for me is about bringing meaning to this horrible, horrible thing that happened to Jess and ultimately then to the rest of our family. It's a family illness. Um, there's no question that cancer is a family disease. This is our story. Um, and so that's where we were. And then in 2019, Jess, with so much grit and determination in her physical body that had been pretty battered, uh, said to me, I think we should run in Las Vegas together. I was like, oh, my, okay, let's, let's do this. Can't say no to that. Can't say no to that. And um, probably, probably the most meaningful moment in my life was she long beat me to the finish line. Um, but was to see her at the finish line, like applauding after she had already crossed it um, was something was just incredible. So again, to be and we said just to be able to be part of something bigger than what had happened to her um, and to us. You know, for anyone going through these hard situations to to remember these kind of things, I think is uh, is so important. Um, I'm curious because oftentimes I'm told that you know people who've gone through similar situations that you've gone through, they'll say like, I, I don't want to talk to other people. It's too close to home, and I'm not judging them at all. Like, yeah. who am I to, to ever say it one way or another? But I am curious as to how you who've been through something like this are now able to say, you know what, I'm actually going to use this as a way of me connecting and a way of supporting more people. It's, it goes back to that, that's this, what I've been saying, which is about for me, meaning and purpose. This, this situation with Jess, it, it, it almost, it almost drowned me. It really truly did. And through the grace of all kinds of things, I managed to, find myself on the other side of it and be able to learn from that and be able to support myself, support her, support my family through that with lots and lots of help. And so when I'm able to um, take that and say, you know what, I am on this side of it. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And, you know, part of Jess's story we didn't talk about was her relapse last year. So, you know, we don't take for granted for a moment that things, although today may look okay, to, we don't know what tomorrow will bring for any of us. And we were reminded of that for sure last year uh, with her relapse and all of the treatment and everything that happened after that. But what I what I do know for sure, for me anyway, is that when I'm able to take my experience and share it with other people in a way that's helpful, even like this much, even a tiny smidge uh, for somebody else, it helps me to come to terms in some way that this wasn't for nothing, that there wasn't, that this wasn't for nothing. And again, I would give it back in a second, but I can't. So if it, there's something that's even remotely positive that can come out of it, I'm all in. And if it can help one other person, that was me nine years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago, eight months ago, great. Um, but I totally get it why other people don't want to do that. I meet lots of people like that who say, why would you want to talk about that? Why would you want to go there? Why do you volunteer? Why would you work with you know families? Why would you do any of that and want to talk about your stuff? I totally understand why it's not for everybody. But for me, this is what works. I think that speaks to uh, to who you are and who Jess is in terms of 
just wanting to be able to give back. And, and you did mention Jess's relapse and, and obviously, you know, things are going one way, things are going really well, positive. And then, you know, you hear crushing news that it's set back. And, you know, I'm curious as, as mom, how do you, how do you handle that? Yeah, it was, you're right. It was, it was crushing. It was, it was crushing. That's a, it's a perfect word for it. Um, you know, it, she was doing well. She had graduated out of sick kids. She was off to school in another city and really living the life that she wanted to live. And, and, you know, those moments for us, those milestones, again, we didn't take those for granted. Those, those were never promised for sure. But, but we, you know, you start to let your guard down a little bit and that's where we were. And she came home a year ago um, for reading week in the first semester and it was very clear that she was not okay. You could just see it. She wasn't okay. And again, same, same, uh, same pediatrician that we called and said, what do, what, what do you think? And he said, I think you need to go to the hospital right now. And she had, she was already out of the sick kids. She had graduated. So that was her first foray into the adult world. Um, it was in an emergency situation, which was unfortunate. But again, the system amazingly kicked in well as it should. And, um, and it was seen that her tumor had was progressing and aggressively. It was, it was moving fast and it was a very scary situation. We had to make some very quick decisions about what to do. Um, surgery wasn't an option. It wasn't safe. Uh, we had second opinions from outside the country as well, uh, with the help of SickKids, with the help of Sunnybrook um, and Toronto Western and all the hospitals that were involved in her care. And it was determined at that point that the best route for her, um, and she actually made this choice, was to go to Boston, uh, where she had proton radiation treatment. She had 30 rounds of radiation in Boston. Uh, so we were in Boston for a few months while she received uh, treatment there. And, um, she, she, like, a you know, she just took it in stride and we actually, you know, she and I talked about it all the time. We, we had the best time in Boston. You know, I was thinking that cause it looked, you know, what her posts and stuff always looked like you guys were having a good time. You go for walks, you check out, like in Boston's a cool town. I know it's a lot, a lot of interesting things to see there, a lot of history and stuff. So, um, you know, I think, I think we'll, you know, having gotten to know you over the last number of years, and um, Jess in particular, I mean, you you both are truly an inspiration. The strength, resilience, um, and now I'm I'm hearing even more of your story: the courage, uh, the openness, the the you know the reframing, all of these things that you've had to do over the last number of years. It's it's truly inspirational, and um, I think people can learn from it. You know, whether they're having a child or or going through illness themselves or you know just going through anything difficult i think there's certainly what to learn and what to take away so um you know i i, I truly feel honored to to have gotten to, to know you over the last number of years and thank you for being to, uh, with us to, to today on the podcast and um regards to jess i'm sure she's uh she's probably off back in school so um i'm sure she's, I'm sure she's uh, enjoying that and and um Pleasure. It's a, it's a privilege, really. It's a privilege to be able to be in close with, with the families that I get to work with. So thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for having me. Thank you. And um, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Karen, for sharing your story with us. Jess is a true fighter and inspiration and such an amazing person. 
having gone through such a hard situation at a young age and using her experience to educate others through talks, through fundraising, and even running the High Lifeline Marathon. Thank you again for joining us today and sharing yours and Jess's story. And thank you to the listeners for choosing to be with us today. Until next time. Thank you for choosing to listen to On Air Luchai and supporting our cause. Don't forget Being to a subscribe organization and give us that five-star rating and, of course, community share to help keep all your our programs running and allow us to continue to service our families while offering incredible experiences such as fun-filled family events, adventure trips, camp, big sibling volunteers, home-cooked meals, respite service, and much more. If you're thinking of making a charitable donation, think of High Lifeline Canada and the children you'll be supporting. You can visit us at highlifelinecanada.org backslash donate to make a difference today.